Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. But politically speaking, many of us have had a tiny bit of difficulty celebrating certain aspects of our lives these past few years. And on that note, our guests today have delivered one of the most jaw-dropping, page-turning exposés to hit the press in years. Their book is entitled, All the President's Women, Donald Trump and the Making of a Predator, and believe me, this is one heck of a fascinating read. The authors, Barry Levine and Monique Elfazi, are joining us to share all about it. They already know I am thrilled to be talking with them and can't wait to get going. So welcome, Barry and Monique. Thank you, Eileen. Well, I, I got to say, it goes without saying that any reader who gets their hands on this book, and believe me, millions will, they are going to want to de- devour every juicy tidbit. <laughs> uh, and it's evident to many of us that the topic, of course, is addictive. But I'd like to know from the two of you, um, there are a number of known escapades of our current president. But uh, what made you want to delve into you know, this idea at research, do all the research, and write all the press? President's women. Well, Eileen, I think it, during 2018, when the Stormy Daniels hush money disclosures were coming forward, I was thinking as an investigative reporter that, you know, do we know everything, you know, that we need to know about Donald Trump? And if you go back to the comments that we heard during the 2016 campaign from the Access Hollywood tape, and then the disclosures at that time from about two dozen women who accused him of inappropriate um, uh, conduct, I thought, you know, we, we, we really need to look at the entire picture here. And that's when I embarked on this book, because I thought, you know, the public really should know as much as we can about the presidency, uh, about the president, Donald Trump. And uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, collaborate on this book. With Monique, I wanted to have the voice of a woman and a seasoned journalist and a brilliant writer to work with. There were two other women on the team, Whitney Clegg, who came from the CNN investigative unit and NPR, and Lucy Osborne, a reporter, investigative reporter and producer for the BBC. And the the four of us uh, set out over the course of this reporting mission um, to see, you know, what we could find. And we dug into tips and leads, and we uncovered new allegations. And, and we present them in uh, uh, every single allegation. There's 43 new allegations of inappropriate behavior. Boy, Monique, and, and what, how did you feel when you were approached to help collaborate with this book? Well, reluctant, as you can imagine, right? Um, the idea of spending months of my life immersed in these frankly disturbing stories, wasn't super appealing. And and yet I realized that if we allow ourselves to ignore these stories, we normalize that kind of behavior. And when I realized that, I felt like I had a responsibility journalistically but also as a woman to bring these stories to light and to give these women a voice. Well, and I, when I, in my introduction, I was talking about every juicy tidbit, and believe me, there are plenty of them in there, but this is such a deeper problem than that, than that. and I, being a boomer myself, times have changed, but Monique, you as a woman out there, again, speaking with these women and all that, they haven't changed all that much. 
No, I mean, I think that's what really was striking about the Kavanaugh confirmation, right? We had these hearings. We had this woman who came forward who even Donald Trump said she was a credible witness, and she was brave enough to, be, to make her story public, and a lot of people heard her and believed her, and at the end of the day, it didn't make any difference. And I think for a lot of American women, that was the moment when they realized we thought we'd made all these gains since the 60s. We thought we were moving towards pay parity and moving, you know, in, in the right direction. Of course, we hadn't gotten there yet. But Kavanaugh showed women that, in fact, the patriarchy is still alive and well, and not very much has changed. And any changes really were on the surface, but the levers of power are still very much controlled by men. And, and Barry, I'm thinking with you, of course, um, you know, your, your, your interest was peaked. You are uh, an investigative journalist, uh, and I'm sure you had to do thorough vetting of all of these allegations, and you'd mentioned 43 new ones, uh, and I'm sure there's tons more because of all the nondisclosure agreements that were probably had to be signed. But you as a male, I know you gathered your team, but this must have been a little delicate for you to approach some of the women and, and ask the questions that you needed to ask. Well, as I said, I surrounded myself with very competent journalists on this on this mission. I would say, though, more so as a father of a teenage daughter, I was very troubled by um, the things that we heard and, uh, you know, digging deeply. I think the most disturbing stuff uh, are the allegations involving uh, young women. Um, there was a lawsuit uh, that came out in 2016 uh, the woman ended up dropping the lawsuit because of death threats against her. Uh, this involved an allegation of uh, being raped by Donald Trump at a mansion owned by Jeffrey Epstein um, in the 90s. And uh, Donald Trump dismissed it at the time as a complete fabrication. His lawyers said uh, it was, the claims were, were, were false. But every day now we are learning more and more about Jeffrey Epstein following his death. We are learning more and more about the relationship uh, that he had with Donald Trump. And uh, in, in the reporting of this book, we came across a brand new allegation that had never been reported before involving uh, a, a very sordid um, uh, incident that took place at a mob-controlled uh, brothel in Times Square in the early 1980s involving a porn star and a teenage girl. And uh, I have to say, uh, you know, listen, as a journalist, you want to bring forward new allegations. That, of course, is the goal. That is, of course, you know, your publisher uh, wants you to dig up new information and document that and catalog that in a book. But I have to say, as a, you know, a, you know as, a, as a father of a, of a teenage daughter, I was deeply disturbed by, by some of the allegations that we were uncovering. Well, and one of the things that disturbed me a lot, I mean, in reading the book, uh, is for one thing, you kind of describe, you know, here he was, the head of these beauty pageants, and I didn't know till I read your book, he also, for a while, had his own modeling agency, and he, and um, the name is escaping me now, but the head of elite modeling agency, I mean, Don't they had all these it. young girls, a lot of them from Eastern Europe or other countries where they barely spoke English, they were nervous, and they, these young girls were expected to go out to dinner with these older men. Right, and I think that, I agree with you, I think that to me was also sort of the most disturbing, or one of the most disturbing elements of the book, to see really how young these girls were, and when you talk about 
instances of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment, there's always a power imbalance. Well, it's, it's very difficult to imagine a more stark power imbalance than a teenage girl with no parental influence near her because she's yeah. you know, in New York or wherever modeling, and these very wealthy, very powerful older men who control their futures effectively. You know, it's just not a fair match. These girls are in no way equipped to say no and to stand up to these men. And that was very much the milieu that, that Trump was circulating in at that time. Well, in addition to everything that you disclose in the book, and I have to ask you before we leave, what astounds, and I will speak personally, what astounds me is that he does seem to get away with all these things. And, you know, in, in, with what you've uncovered, how do you make the thought that the Christian right, you know, still supports him with such fervor, especially women in the Christian right? That's a two-pronged answer, right? The Christian right as a whole supports him because he gives them what they want. They want conservative judges. They want the rollback of abortion laws, and he's absolutely giving them that. His, you know, the the core of his base couldn't be happier with him. And it is tough to imagine as a woman that, as a you know, that evangelical women are supporting him. I think there are a couple of things. You know, I interviewed a lot of them for the book. They are willing to overlook the behavior, again, to get what he wants. They dismiss it as a smear, politically motivated. They really kind of, many of them will just say these women are lying. They're not telling the truth. I got an email like that yesterday. And also the evangelical church itself is very patriarchal, and there's a comfort with these kinds of relationships and power dynamics. Well, and, and uh, Barry, with what moment you just said, I mean, you're getting all these kind of this pushback that, oh, these are lies. Can you imagine the courage of the women who spoke with you and were able to stand up? Because I think uh, you, you bring out in the book, too, a lot of them, even as more evolved than they were, at, you know, as I was at their age, they still feel it's my fault. Maybe my dress was too short or maybe this or that. And here now they're getting pushback from other people, powerful people. So have you heard or can you share a little bit of that in your Experience? Yes, uh, of course, Eileen. I mean, I, these are, were very brave and courageous women who came forward to me and my colleagues in the reporting of this book. And, and I personally dealt with one woman named Karen Johnson who came forward who discussed being groped by Donald Trump at a uh, Mar-a-Lago New Year's Eve party uh, in which she said when she heard the Access Hollywood tape, she said Donald Trump did exactly that to me, grabbed her cramped her there and so forth. And uh, it took about two months uh, of just speaking to her before she even felt comfortable to tell me the full accounting of, of what occurred there. Because these women are in fear. They're, you know, Donald Trump, when he attacks, and we report in the book that Donald Trump learned these tactics from Roy Cohen, his, his mentor, who was a powerful, ruthless New York attorney, uh, years ago, and that when somebody attacks Donald Trump, Donald Trump comes back and attacks them a thousand times harder, calls them liars, he, he just attempts to discredit them. And this woman was, was fearful. She was fearful for her family. Uh, it took a long time to convince her to come forward. And I said to her, you know, why didn't you make more of an issue of this at the time? And she said, you know, she said, years before I was married to my, my husband and we attended this, they were members of Mar-a-Lago at the time, and they attended this beautiful party in which Donald Trump attacked her at this party. She said, you know, I had been a dancer in my youth. And she said, you know, she said, I was afraid that because of that, I would be called a liar. And there are many women that we found that blame themselves for not coming forward because they, 
they, they fear that there was, you know, something that they had done in their life or, uh, the, you know, the way they dressed or that they were put in a position that they would be, um, the victim would be attacked. That's exactly what's happened with all of these women. And Donald Trump has continually attacked every woman that has come forward. He's called every woman who has made any claim of uh, sexual misconduct against her a liar. Wow. Well, I wish we had all the time in the world because, boy, this is a fascinating topic and, again, a really, really important one. Uh, but in the last minute or two, I'd like to ask each of you, uh, and we'll start with you, Monique, what do you hope the readers will take away from this book? I hope the reader takes away the understanding that you can't dismiss individual stories because they may be part of a larger whole and also that Trump's behavior, which a lot of people have dismissed, it matters. Any man's behavior like this matters. Trump's matters more. He sets an example for men in America and around the world, and he sets policy for women that affects women in America and around the world. And I think there's an importance to these stories that sometimes gets overlooked. And, Barry, what, what are your final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, my, my final thoughts are, you know, there'll be, there'll be people who will dismiss this as, oh, I've – you know, heard these allegations before. I really think it's important that Donald Trump is asking, despite the impeachment inquiry going on in Washington, D.C., that Donald Trump wants to be president for another four years. He wants to represent every American. And I do think that character matters. I think that it is important to be as transparent as possible, that the public has a right to know about everything involving Donald Trump and character, and certainly his interactions with women over the years is, is paramount to that. And so I hope that uh, uh, people will, will take this seriously. I hope also that media organizations that have way more resources than I had to investigate these allegations will step up and pick up the ball here. And before the 2020 election, we'll do a full accounting of uh, Donald Trump's mis uh, sexual misconduct with women, because I do think it's important to all of us. Well, speak about brave. I mean, the women were brave, but both of you are, too. Uh, this book uh, is not only a fascinating read, and i got to say there are a few juicy tidbits in it, but it's an important one, too. I thank you both for, again, your bravery and bringing this to light and sharing all of this with me and my audience. Thanks, Eileen. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you, Eileen. Thank you for taking the time to do this today. Well, my pleasure for sure, and I really uh, hope all of you readers out there, or all of you listeners out there and future readers, really take a look at all the President's women, Donald Trump and the making of a predator. Uh, both of these journalists, again, have been very brave, and so have the people that they've interviewed to bring this information to light. It's been important for me, and I'm very happy to be able to share it with you, and I know you can't wait to get your hands on this book. It is a page-turner and an important one. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.